0: southern rock podcast a southern storm a bold liberating rock shot through with blues soul and gospel and now your hosts for the show brian jones and jason johannes
1: back to another episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast as always we uh thank you for the downloads for your participation on the facebook page sharing those songs with us sharing your thoughts on the facebook page and with me always is jason what's going on man
0: hey man i'm doing well how are you i'm okay i'm okay
1: um except you know we got to talk about it was pretty big shock to everybody to hear of passing a Jeff Labar from Cinderella at 58 years old yesterday. Um, no, uh, no cause of death as of yet. Not that we necessarily need to know that, um, you know, always. Pretty respect- young though, 58, man. Yeah, you know? too young, too young. And, you know, there's the, the, you know, he had talked, he had been open before in, in interviews, you know, about, uh, you know, substance abuse problems right. and stuff like that. And then it, I don't know, something about rock and roll, like I don't want to speculate, but it just seems that's all too common, which is all too sad, you know? I think
0: a lot of people that are naturally very artistic, whether right. it's music, you know, acting, whatever, for some reason there's something in their brains that it, it pulls on addiction.
1: Yeah, I mean, was, then again, there's a lot of art, artists and musicians that, that get into music because they just don't fit in anywhere else, sure. and, you know, they were maybe they were the kid that was picked on or had a bad family life or whatever i mean it's it's common music is a common place for those kind of people to go to you know
0: well and oh, well, um, anything that you want if you're successful is going to be around you right, right. that's yeah. part of the problem too there's a lot of oh, it yeah. across oh you, know,
1: you know especially yeah. the farther you go back in time you know in the yeah. 80s like that i mean i know it's was probably wasn't long after that or that time where you know it's like Aerosmith and Motley Crue were the first people i ever heard about like like kind of popular, popular rising, popular mm-hmm. you know, or being well noted for, for getting sober and, yeah.
0: you know, well, and, getting sober. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, um, I know I've read interviews with the guys in Motley crew when they all did that Moscow peace festival. Cause mm-hmm. Doc McGee had put that all together and, and, you know, like those guys are saying, like, and this is Motley Crue, right? When they're getting, getting straight, like they're on this, you know, jet to Russia with everybody else getting all messed up, mm-hmm. you know, full of booze and whatever else. So... You did know, Cinderella
0: play that show or did they do one they, of those monsters of rock? They they, I saw show, the video it? the other
1: day of their set. I didn't watch the whole thing, but their set from the Moscow Peace Festival. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah. I think it was everybody... A lot of the bands that Doc McGee managed, because Motley mm-hmm. Crue and Skid Row, and uh, Bon Jovi, Bon
0: Jovi, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Cinderella played Ozzy. A played. lot of those
0: East Coast bands, of the Motley Crue, that you know that Bon oh, right. that Bon Jovi family exclusive. Pretty much, Motley yeah, Crew. yeah, yeah. But I love Cinderella. Like I liked my hair metal. I know we we kind of f- had some fun with Steve Gleason a couple episodes ago to kind of talk about that. But I always my favorite bands were always the ones that definitely had more of that bluesier influence right. on them too. Like the Teslas, uh, definitely Cinderella. I love Cinderella. Um, you know, they were one of my favorites. So this, this one hits me kind of hard is because I was always held out hope that Tom would get back as much as the original band as he possibly yeah. could.
1: Yeah. You know, and it, I had uh, mentioned previously before, like I, it was really cool. And I, I read a interview recently with Charlie Starr. and, he had mentioned, you know, like you know, because Tom Kiefer had sat in with those guys, yeah, up in Nashville, playing, yeah, yeah, playing Brown Sugar and mm-hmm. and uh, Heartbreak Station, a, yeah, Heartbreak Station, yeah, and yep, uh, so they did Cinderella song. Yeah. So Charlie's saying, like, of all the bands during that time, he he, meant, he specifically mentioned Cinderella and Tesla as the bands that kind of really stood out as being more real, authentic. There's a little more, substance, more humor. more of a blues-based kind of thing yep. going on with that. You oh, know?
0: dude, listen, you know. That first Cinderella, it's very much glam hair metal when you look at what they look like. Right, and but you can tell the blues and even southern rock influence are are there. They go into Long Cold Winter, and there's a couple flat out blues songs on there, including the title track. That is a blue Long Cold Winter is a blues song. And then they go to Heartbreak Station, which is completely southern rock and blues. Yeah, that album is. And it is the best Stones album of the 90s. Probably <laughs> right? the best Stones album, you know, in a long... Like, it sounds like a, yeah. a, a vintage Sto- 70s Stones album.
1: That record in, in Izzy's first record with the Juju Homes yeah. is a great Stones record. Played homage
0: back to this. But Cinderella, I mean, blues and Southern rock are all part of their music, particularly starting with that second album. And that's what drew me into them. I love them. I love, them. I love Tom's playing, of love Jess playing, like, just, you know... And it, those guys fit right into what you and I love and talk about on the podcast.
1: Well, I mean, even off night songs, listen to Shake Me.
0: Yeah. You know, That's not a metal song there. at all. Right. You those know. elements are there. They came, started really coming to the forefront with Long Cold Winter and certainly on Heartbreak Station. And then you listen to some of Keith solo work and he's still pulling some of that stuff back out there.
1: And I've always gotten the impression, too, is once, once they had enough success, they could start calling their shots. And like, yeah. Then they come out with Long Cold Winter, which is nothing like night songs. They're not looking like anything the way they did on night songs. And we're like, hey, this is a lot of
0: albums. Long Cold Winter sold a lot of albums. Right.
1: And, you know, I never really read anything in depth too much as to why Tom split with those guys. I mean, Tom wrote everything. I think he's pretty much was Cinderella. I mean, Freddie, Freddie Curry, the drummer, I think he only played live. I don't think he played on the records. Um, and I know, you know, Tom had a lot of, he's had so many throat surgeries and right. I don't know what else, who knows, well, business singing stuff or whatever style, that,
0: singing his style hurts. It's got to hurt. Oh, throat. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He could sing very clean and pretty, but yeah. most of the Cinderella songs, he, he's not doing that. And kind of what I read just today, as a matter of fact, with, you know, all the stuff about Jeff, it sounded like Tom wanted to spend some time doing some solo work. And that's why I put a pause on Cinderella.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. But, a yeah. Yeah. No, Maybe just so
0: spur them to have a reunion. You know, mm-hmm. I'd see it. I'd see yeah. Tom play solo, but I'll definitely see a Cinderella reunion. Oh, for sure. Especially if they could get on a bill with like Tesla yeah. or somebody like that would just be absolutely amazing. They, these guys could still blow some young, young bands off the stage.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, just so sad, you know, I mean, you know, that show that, you know, the long cold winter tour, when I saw them, in Grand Forks, which is like 80 miles north of here. Um, that is one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I've seen the Stones eight times. I've seen Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers four times. I've seen the Crows 18 times. I've seen Bob Dylan a couple times, you know, and I can honestly say that long, cold winter tour, that, that show was awesome. I still, it's so clear as for how young I was, like, there's a lot of, some of those shows just don't really stand out to me like Rat and some of them other ones. But that Long Cold Winter Tour show was just fucking amazing.
0: I never got to see him live, and I regret it. I even though, as much as I like Cinderella, never saw him live. So yeah. I'm glad that you got a chance. And, you know, you named a lot of bands that definitely fit in that mold of, of what Cinderella kind of became.
1: Yeah. And I did see – I saw them a second time. I saw them open for David Lee Roth, and they didn't have as much time. And yeah, then I had to watch – cheeseball david lee ross at that
0: time (laughs) was was steve vai playing with him at that time i think it i
1: think jason becker had played on the record maybe a little ain't enough that record but uh joe smith i think was the guy's name that he had in the band then but he was just doing all van halen stuff for the most part
0: oh he wasn't doing just
1: work yeah well it was so that show was so unmemorable i don't know why
0: it just was but anyway but so, is a bummer. Part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. depressing.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into you know talking about our guest this week.
0: The band, or I should say, the lead leader, the namesake of the band, de France, not de France, not de France, de France, who you Brian found through Facebook.
1: Well, what has become such a big resource is when you know when you're on you're on a face, you're on Facebook, you know, and then you're on whatever thing you're scrolling through. And, and as you're scrolling up, you always get to that part where it's like, you know, other people you may know or other pages you may like or whatever, whenever that comes up. And because we have friends in Kentucky, we have friends in New York city, mm-hmm. like.
0: hard to get friends in Arkansas at this point. Yeah. That's and, where drew to France and to France. Right.
1: Going. And then you see, you know, people popping up and like, that guy looks like a musician, that guy looks a musician. So I click on it and then they got there, you know, wherever they're from live work. And then the the band name comes up. I check it out, listen to it. I'm like, wow. You know, and it's you guys all hear this later on in, in our chat with him talking about like the promotion is DIY these days. And it's, it's just still astonishing that we don't hear about these bands like you really got to go and go and search it out. You know, It's before it was Googling, you know, little rock Arkansas music scene, or I'll go on like, you know, lately for blues artists, it's been blues festival finder. And I'll click on the festival and I'll look at the artists and I'll, Hey, that person I haven't heard of before. They look cool or they got a cool name or whatever it is. Listen to it. A lot of it's, you know, like I might not like a lot of it, or I might, was, a lot of it might not blow me away, but then there'd be a couple artists, you know, but that the Facebook thing is just like, they're just popping up all over, you know, Kentucky, New York city, Kentucky, New York city. But this was, you know, from, he's from Little Rock and, but it's, you know, you see a lot of our friends are in the same friends. I mean, like, I mean, the guys Boone and Steve from Otis, they're friends with everybody and Magnolia Bayou is friends with everybody and people from New York city are friends with people in Arkansas and, I mean, it really is. It's such a supportive, uh, supportive vibe, supportive, uh, you know, environment. And everybody is just really kind of sticking up for each other and being friendly and helping each other out. It's a pretty cool
0: feeling, man. And I just missed Drew and, and Drew DeFrance <laughs> and his band France by a week. If we would have had that podcast right. last week, I would have known they were coming through Dayton. They played in areas where my band plays. I would have gone down and saw those guys yeah. because I dig what they're doing. Uh, they've got a new album um, they're going to come out at some points recorded uh, Drew mm-hmm. was able to share some files with us today I couldn't get him to play on my computer so I need to get an extension yeah I, I couldn't play them on either because <laughs> I was excited I'm like you said the whole record I want to listen to it but anyways uh, I like what they had done I'm really interested to hear what the new stuff sounds like he was a great guy a really cool guy like uh, I dug I dug you know our conversation with them and I like the band
1: yeah for sure for sure so everybody, as always, uh, kick back with your favorite cold drink or your popcorn, your chips, your nachos, whatever whatever you do when you're listening to uh, our chats with our guests. And uh, have a good time listening to our chat with Drew DeFrance. Welcome to the guest segment of this week's uh, episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Uh, throw it over to Jason to introduce our guests to the listeners.
0: Thank you, Brian. Hey, it's our pleasure to have on today a, uh, a lead singer, founder, guitar player from a really cool band from Arkansas. Uh, we have Drew DeFrance on from the band DeFrance. How you doing, Drew? Hey,
2: y'all. Thank you for having me. All right. And,
0: it, and it's DeFrance, not DeFrance.
2: Well, it depends on where you're at, you know, <laughs> everywhere in the South. And growing up, everyone was like, hey, de France, you know, <laughs> Heard of de France is banned, you know, and that's so it just kind of stuck. And then when, I, when we toured Europe, everybody's, uh, oh, de France, you de know. France. <laughs> so, it, it, I and that just means of France. It, Are they, you French? Yeah, I've got some blood, you know, mostly German though, being weird, weirdly enough. So, huh, me too. So that's okay. We'll, we'll accept the German <laughs> heritage together. I went to Germany, and it's a beautiful place, and they're beautiful people over there. And you know, over they there. love their live music, man, especially the kind of stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah, it's uh, like thirty percent of rock records sold in the world are sold in Germany. So wow, it's a target audience.
0: God bless Germany, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they have good beer. <laughs> yeah. Great beer. Have wonderful beer. Yeah.
1: So Drew, let's just get right into this. Like, like how you got your start in music. All
2: right uh my mother had a guitar acoustic like conrad from the 70s it was just a beautiful most beautiful guitar i'd ever seen still is and uh i just idolized it as a kid i thought it was just the coolest thing it, you know if you're not familiar with a 70s conrad it looks like very similar to a martin and uh it's just got that real beautiful wood natural finish on it and uh just always was kind of like a hey, you know, you have to get a little bit older before you can touch that or play with that, you know. And I just thought it was this magical thing. And eventually got old enough to, you know, start taking lessons and playing it. And man, I just would, when uh, my parents weren't home, I would like put on like the Who's, uh, who's Next. And I would just oh. like do my best Pete Towns and all of <laughs> Do the windmills? Any chords whatsoever. I would just do the fucking windmills, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like, fun. Right. I mean, I mean, you, you know, if you're a kid, you just pretend rock star. And I just. I used to a
0: tennis you know. racket
2: to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. I, yeah. I had an actual guitar. I thought it was cool. As, you know, the coolest thing. And so uh, I eventually started taking lessons for like a month and then the guitar teacher didn't work out. And so it was really like, all right, are you going to do this? And so, it, it, you know, I just started really diving into it and learning a lot. And then right when I was starting to, uh get a little bit of speed going with it um my brother passed away along with my two best friends going to a birthday party of mine which mm. kind of always kind of sent the trajectory of my life the other way into music because we're immediately right after that it's kind of like a safe haven I found these guys in a band and I was like oh man this is the best thing ever this is the best thing I could have right now in my moment in my life and it, it really was just you know a, a saving grace and uh Ever since then, I've just been on the, the path to being like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a musician. This is what I'm going to do. Because I first started playing some solos and some improvisational moments in the shows where he could really take off. And I started feeling interconnected to my brother, to my friends, to the, the outer world, to the atmosphere, you know, to the earth, to the universe, to everybody. And, and I realized this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life.
0: How old were you in that that trap that kind of that tragedy hit?
2: I was 15.
0: Okay. Got it. Did your mom did your mom play? I know that was her guitar, but did she play much at all? Did she teach you anything?
2: You know, when she was younger, she was really into like Joni Mitchell and Joan Baez and she okay. be, like singer songwriter. Like yeah, you know, she wanted to be a singer-songwriter kind of thing. And uh she plays in church still, you know, but you know, she's never been like a performer or anything like that. So she she says she lives vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> so you, your parents are very supportive of what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. They've been the most supportive. You know? And I'm very blessed with that. And not everybody in the band has that same, you know, background support. And so it's very, very special thing.
1: Right on. When the, so when did you, uh, you know, start, like, forming a band? Like, when was your first band? How did that come about?
2: So immediately right after that, I got in this band called 10 years gone with some friends from high school. And actually funny enough, the drummer from that band is still my drummer today. His name's wow. Daniel, Daniel Stratton Curry. And he's uh, my brother and, you know, and man, we love and hate each other. It's much like the, the <laughs> Robinson brothers. <from> <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we sound so good together. You know, it's, it's a special thing. I mean, it's almost 20 years now. And, uh, formed that band, and then played all over the South, mainly through, like, Louisiana, uh, Texas, Arkansas, and, uh, well, but which was cool, because we were in high school, and we were, like, doing gigs and bars on the weekends, you know, Wow! and so, you know, all my other friends are, like, 16, they're, like, so what are you doing this weekend we're like well, we're doing the movies and stuff it's like oh yeah I got a gig we're gonna <laughs> they, they secretly get us a pitch of beer you know, or <laughs> so, you know like you guys have fun we're gonna go rock and roll and it was just all like you know man like it was just an eye-opening thing and you know get over it real fast and so I'm not even much of a drinker anymore you know it's like you know you get seeing all the the BS yeah from the, the early scene of stuff, the bars and the venues and crazy stuff. And you get used to it at 16, 17, 18. And so by the time now I'm like 33, I'm just like, I'm so over all that shit. It's like, I'm, I'm ready to like, you know, be at this uh, hierarchy of my peers and people that I looked at when I was a kid and admired, you know, which is starting to happen in our lives and uh, everybody's really excited about that.
0: Very cool. So I have two questions about your old band. One is were you guys named after the Led Zeppelin song? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a great mm-hmm. song. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Great
1: name.
2: Yeah, yeah. That
0: that riff is awesome.
2: Yeah, it's a G tuning riff. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, like open G. Yeah, uh, Zeppelin and uh, the Stones influenced a lot of like G tuning riffs in, in higher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, well, and like you brought up the Black Crows, like Rich Robinson,
0: right? Same thing
2: uh-huh yep and you know Keith always says that Don Everly showed him that so I guess we got to thank the Everly brothers <laughs> do you play much in open yeah, tunings old blues guys so well uh, heck
0: Everly brother who doesn't like those guys come
2: on yeah yeah classic are you doing much open
0: open tuning work uh
2: on um on the second right rec- or on yeah we do we have a whole segment of the so no there's like lap steel or pedal steel on there yeah, the other pairs still and then at times like Angel, uh Fireball, I need you, um, uh Stone. Uh there's a few others that they're all in G tuning. I play G tuning where the other guitar plays in standard. Just Okay, like- yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well like the crows, very crows okay. or the stones-ish.
2: Crows, yeah, yeah. Taking cues from those guys. And you know, it makes them real nice, full full sound where You're not both playing the same chords or even on the same tuning, you know. Right, because
0: your G is going to sound different than the other guitar players' G or C. You know, tonally, it's going to have different textures to it. Mm
2: -hmm. And I went to school for production in Austin, Texas, uh, like from 2007 to 2009 at Arlen Studios down there. And learned a lot about, you know, recording and how to produce records and mix records. And so, uh, you know, also leaving with the G tuning like that leads room more room for that pedal steel, and that was our friend Neil Jones from uh, American Aquarium.
0: Oh, no kidding! Wow, that's another really good band in the same genre that has a quite a following.
2: Yeah, they're great. They're they're wonderful guys, and uh, they're you know, it's just always good in this business to work with people that are that are cool.
0: Now going to my second question that we <laughs> went all the way around. Um, when you guys were in ten years gone, were you playing the similar st- style of music, or were you doing something different?
2: Uh, it was similar. We did. Uh, it was more of a cover band in high school. You okay. know, we did a lot of classic rock stuff, and really, you know, kind of helped broaden our you know aspects on like what was what worked with audiences and how you know how live shows worked and how venues work it's just a whole you know kid learning experience but well, it teaches it. you a good
0: riffs and how to build like songs and, stri- and how like, songs are yeah.
2: constructed together properly yeah. and you know mm-hmm. and what are hit songs versus what are deep tracks and you know what are you know how does the audience respond to those and what venues respond to those and how can you cue those up together to make a you know proper flowing set or whatever and learning how to even you know have those kind of ideas and and so that was just you know a big learning experience as a kid and then I moved like I said to Austin Texas shortly after that high school band and my drummer came with me (laughs) and uh, learned a lot about sound engineering down there and played all over Sixth Street played all over you know Austin Texas everywhere and uh, we're still playing down there and still have friends down there we're actually going down there this weekend uh, we're going to play one-to-one bar down there on July 17th. Right on. I get keep getting notifications about the All-Star <laughs> <laughs> thing. You're an important guy. You're a busy guy.
1: So when uh, do things uh, progress into where you're starting your own band?
2: Uh, so in Austin, I started writing songs. I, I was uh, got more into songwriting. I was, got really into people like Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and uh, Robert O'Keefe and, you know, just really learning from the greats and uh, learning how to, you know, construct songs better and how to write better songs and deeper lyrics and have meaningful lyrics, but still, you know, uh, get it across in a kind of simple poignant kind of way, you know, and those guys are, you know, a huge scene in the Texas, you know, whole realm of texas that's down there it's crazy you know like willie nelson's god down there and so is robert lkeen and all those guys you know it's a whole different realm than anywhere else you go in the u.s or the world you know they're they're not as revered anywhere else you know as they are down there and so when you're living down there for years you kind of just get absorbed into all those types of songwriters and that kind of helped influence to me to build Uh, confidence in myself to be like hey you know what your songs are decent your lyrics are, are are decent you know I started listening to way more records than I ever had of all types of genres and really studying the production because I was in school for the production at that time and so I was really studying how you know these people made the records and where they made them at what bands and so I started finding out about the the funk brothers and like uh, you know, they're with Motown and Stacks record had Booker T and the MGs mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, um, Capitol and Columbia, they out there, they had the wrecking crew. And then, you know, there's, you know, the Swampers down in Muscle Shoals, which we were in Muscle Shoals last week playing down there. And it's such a magical area and place. And it's so weird that so many hit records came out of a place of like, what, 20, 40,000 people. Right. It's a weird little Alabama town, and I don't know what it is about northern Alabama, but me and the drummer always, like, want to scrap with each other, and so it's always a fun rock and roll time down there, (laughs) but like I said, 20 years, man, 20 years, and uh, uh, so me and him started writing more songs together, just me and him, and kind of rocking out more, and, uh, but I started this band with another friend of mine and a drummer down there, uh who's also from Arkansas and we started a band called Washital and that band was really hard to pronounce for people and to spell and it was just a really bad idea calling it that. And uh uh but we did have some little bit of success with the Austin scene and touring and stabling ourselves as uh musicians in that area. And uh uh a band called King Corduroy broke off of that and they're in Nashville and he's doing exceptionally well up there. And uh another artist named Arkansas Dave broke off from that group and he's done pretty well for himself internationally. And, uh, so we, um, that group, I started writing more of the songs for that group and started building my confidence again, more as a songwriter. And I occasionally sang, but not really, it was more like backups. And then I came back to Arkansas in like 2010, something like that. And I started a group, uh, with some friends here and played in several groups. And then eventually in 2015, after establishing myself as a musician in Arkansas again, you know, reestablishing it really, uh, I kind of got to pick and choose on who I wanted in my group at that time. And uh, in 2015, I formed this band called The France and was the front person of it. And we just, you know, been rocking all the way till, you know, now, but in the pandemic 2020, what a year that was. We were on right. tour with Foghat. We did 40 dates before the you know world shut down. We were out in Colorado with those guys and then went all the way to New York and then down to like Nashville and everything. And by the end, beginning of March, we were headed to South by and the whole thing got shut down. And we were lucky at least get those shows in but you know after that we were afraid to even get you know close to each other it was Mm -hmm. like you know like are we okay to even go out you know and stuff it was such a weird time y'all remember oh yeah (laughs) oh too well (laughs) yeah i mean you know it's it's just uh it was kind of hard on everybody and so we our guitar player chose to you know to do something different and so it kind of Threw a real big wrench in me because he'd been the only consistent member other than the drummer the whole time. And, you know, it's like in this business, you learn that, you know, your friends are going to let you down. Even your closest friends are going to let you down because the drummer has several times. We, like I said, we scrap sometimes. So, <laughs> like the Robinson Brothers, he's quit the band a few times. Yeah. But he yeah. pulls back. Yeah. You know, he says, I never got fired. You know, that's his little thing, you know. So, uh, always on his terms you know it's always it's it's a good joke around the band you know and uh uh, so with all that stress of that we made a record that was like more rocking than we've ever made before it's a really hard rocking record and uh more like akin to like deep purple Dio you know Judas Priest kind of you know vibe and before it's always been kind of like a Tom Petty Americana kind Mm -hmm. of Stone just kind of vibe, you know, and which is cool and everything, but you know, we just up the groove a little bit and up the tempo, you know. And we were thinking about it, and we we're like, you know, all right, so we lost our guitar player, got to kind of reevaluate this and rebrand this, you know, relook at everything. And I was like, it really needs a higher pitch vocal than what me or the bass player are capable of. And, um, which, is astounding because Connor is can hit the bass player Connor Roach. She can hit notes that I can't, and it's it's really high up there. And so for this new cat Charlie Askew that we got to sing with us now, he can hit. He's got a four and a half octave range. He's doing like Freddie Mercury. Wow. Stuff. Like yeah, it's incredible. And so we've uh, ever since you know January of this year, we have got Charlie to come in on the record and redo all the vocals to that record. And we're calling the record Long Live Rock and Roll. Okay. And currently we're shopping it around though. We're not trying to release it ourselves right now. We're trying to get a deal with it. And we're kind of, you know, in the talks with a few different labels, one of them international, and we're hoping that something kind of happens with it because we've already had uh, our last record second win uh, on a radio campaign in UK. And we had two European tours scheduled for last year that got canceled. And so we're really trying to, I'm working myself to get all those booked again uh, I run the band, everything myself. Uh, I manage everything, all the socials, I book, everything, mainly write all the songs. Um, we're starting to get new territory with these new guys where it's like, uh, you know, Charlie is a songwriter as well. So we're trying to, you know, mix that in with my songwriting and uh, see how that comes across together as a new product. And this okay. new record, I think everybody's going to love It's It's, Charlie laid down these vocals to it, and it's amazing. And then I got this cat named Mitchell uh, Lowe from, funny enough, from Camden, Arkansas, same same town. Oh. With, uh, the drummer Daniel, uh, he's the third Camden boy in the band. Uh, <laughs> we all learned under Michael Burks, who was also from Camden. He's an international blue star, and uh, cat was amazing. And I'm just trying to fulfill what he did. He was doing stadiums and arenas and in the blues world alligator records artists, you know, he's just, is he still so playing? Uh, no, he sadly passed away a few years back. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to
0: write that name down and say, Brian, that's probably something we should look into.
2: I mean, you should definitely look into it because his catalog is amazing. And you know, some of his band members are still around and uh, you know, like Wayne, his keyboard player was voted Germany's best, uh, best keyboard player like 2014, 13 or something like that. And he's got like the Mushroom Brotherhood, which is pretty much the best Almond Brothers cover band, other than the Almond Bets band. Now,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, a couple of quick questions for you. So, the um, on your website, so the band members that we see on that pictures and names are who's currently in your lineup?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's so on drums as always, Daniel Stratton Curry. On bass, it's Connor Roach. And uh, on guitar, myself and Mitchell Lowe from Camden, Arkansas. And then we have Charlie Askew, who's in the middle. We've got him as a new vocalist. And uh, we've been doing shows with him since uh, we started being able to get to. We did 17 shows in March, I think it was. And then uh, we did about 15 or 16. We've been averaging every month since then. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we're just getting back to it and uh, we recently got a bus so we're trying to make payments, you know? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so on your your last
0: album, not the one you haven't released yet, it's no longer a stranger in this town. So everything we hear, the vocals and stuff, are going to be completely different. The song style is going to be a little different with this new album.
2: I still sing some, but okay. on this new album is predominantly Charlie singing all the lead vocals. Me and Connor have a lot of the background vocals down though. So we're getting into three parts and you know, occasionally four parts with another member, you know. So
0: and a little bit more rocking because cause this last album's got a little bit more of a country, country western feel. Uh, yeah. you know, you've got the, the the good, you know, the slide and, and the kind of the um um uh, gosh. I said it earlier, uh not last steel, pedal steel. steel. There That's we it. go. Thank
2: yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Neil's all over that record. That was a record that I was like, I'm gonna do a bunch of big Phil Spector, like, you know, wall of sound production. And you know, I think that came across with that with all the horns and all horns. The so I was gonna ask
0: you about the horns. Who does the horns? Because he got horns in yeah. like almost every song.
2: Yeah. So there's this cat, Joseph Fuller, uh, who used to play keys with us and uh he you now he's just our studio guy we'll eventually get him back on the road. <laughs> uh, he's, he's amazing. He's got, he can play every instrument, like serious, swear to God, every instrument like really well. And so I'll bring him into the studio and he'll just bring one of every instrument. And I'll be like, Hey Joe, let's just do a whole like Quincy Jones production on this one. And he'll just knock out all the horn arrangements, all the string arrangements, like, and he'll just play them all. You know, it normally takes a whole day in the studio, of course, but I mean, it's, it's amazing that he can play all those parts just by himself. And then it, can, it comes across as like a sounding like a whole orchestra or a whole section, you know, really, really blessed to know that guy and have him available.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, the horns are pretty dominant on that album. Now, is he, did he record
2: any horns for this new one? Uh, no, there aren't any horns in the song. No, actually, yes, he did. There's a track at the end where we did a whole orchestra arrangement on it. It was a, a, a song that I wrote a long time ago and the ending kind of has like a let it be kind of ending. So we just did a whole, that's the only part of the record. Everything else is like a complete kick in the ass from, uh, it's no longer a stranger. It's almost like a whole new band at this point, really it, with the it, sound. And yeah, it really is. Those first two records are really great and it's a great foundation. Uh, uh, and we still play some of those songs and, you know, really a lot of those songs, but we got a whole like, you know, set of 20 new uh, originals. So, I mean, we're all excited about those as well. And we'll continue to play the old ones, but we're also con- going to continue to write music. So. Sure. For sure. You and mentioned
1: I, earlier the Tom Petty vibe and that, that influence seems to come across as no longer a stranger and also like Steve Earl.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, uh, Tom, I see him back there behind you. He's uh, a, <laughs> I was listening to him when I was in the womb. Like my mom was a big fan. And so, you know it's just always been there and you know just always been there and um i I don't know man it's like osmosis thing with Mm -hmm. music you know the more i listen to it the more it comes across in my playing or songwriting so if i really want to focus on a certain style i just start listening to that type of music or you know influence more you know or leaning into it or watch shows or go see shows with those types Mm -hmm. of things or whatever and you know like I said, we we had a little bit of angst with this pandemic and we all started like, just I want to I rock, man. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's fun to, you know, place. I mean, it's not like we didn't rock before. It's just it was like, I want to do shit a little bit harder, you know, like I didn't want to play metal, you know, or whatever. But you want more <laughs> of the
0: guitars being a focal point. Mm. And, you know, you got a lot of keys, you had a lot of horns, you had all, you know. Dude, I get it. I've
2: always been able to shred since I was 15 years old. I've been able to shred like a motherfucker, man. You know what I'm saying? And so is everybody else in the band. And so we were like, man, let's show off that a little bit more because it wasn't really involved in the songwriting as much. Mm. And, you know? and so you'd see that at the live show. You would always see that at the live show. We would show off all the time, but we would never really show that off on the records. And so we were like, let's really show off a little bit our technical, you know, Ability capabilities on this record a little bit more, you know, and so I'll send it over to y'all when oh, uh, please, love nice, to hear thank it. Thank you, you know, because we're demoing it out, you know, and so I'd love to hear what y'all think about it, you know, for
0: sure. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm gonna <laughs> bring up you, we brought up the Black Crows a couple times, but this definitely relates to what you talked about when I rock more. Just recently, listened to an interview with um, Chris Robinson was talking about, you know, because they've recorded or have a bunch of new songs they want to record.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And Chris was saying, hey, you know, like during the time of the pandemic, I started listening to like Guns N' Roses again and all these other hard guitar bands um, Why we weren't touring because the pandemic. It made me want to rock again. So I'm hearing you kind of say the same thing. And what's good to hear is a lot of these guys, you guys, these rock bands are not using the pandemic as a sports of like, oh, what was me and doing sad weekly shit. You guys are coming out and like just crushing it.
2: Yeah. It's like, let's have fun. Yeah. Remember why we had fun. The whole pandemic was a learning experience. It was like, don't take this for advantage. You know, like it's not always going to be there. You're not always going to be able to get to play shows. And I thought it was, I thought I would always be able to play shows or book a show or, you know, at least get a show somewhere. And we couldn't, and it was, you know, it's not like we were trying to during the pandemic or anything like that, but you know, it was just like, everybody wanted to, but we knew it wasn't safe, you know? And so it's like, you know, let's absolutely, you know, you know, keep everybody in mind on that. And we always did. And we we did like four shows that were outdoors and they all had, uh, very strict rules to them and everything. And nobody had any COVID cases tied to them or anything like that. And they were all successful, but it was so weird. It was just such a weird experience to play to the sections and nobody could dance. Nobody could really, you know, get up and move around, Everybody had get their temperature taken. It was just, you know, I, I don't know. It was all caring and everything. We, right. You know, we all did the same thing. We were all vaccinated before we even got on the road and did a show. Yeah. You know, we were all like, hey, this has Smart.
0: to happen. Yeah, man, you guys don't want to get sick on the
2: road. Oh, absolutely not. Or spread it to any audience member. We I mean, were going town to town to town. That would just be. Yeah, DeFrance
0: <laughs> killed a bunch of people.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, it's so careless. It doesn't, to- doesn't do well for you guys. not what we're about at all. But to get way off topic there. Uh, (laughs) we, (laughs) we, during the pandemic, were like, let's remember why that we did this. And it was like, Oh yeah. I started first learning guitars. The first solo I ever learned was you shook me all night long by AC. And so I was like, man, I want to get back to that. That stuff was fun. That was rocking. And so, you know, it even has that kind of a vibe on the new record, you know, Uh, it's every solo pretty much is twinning. We do a cover of Dr. Doctor by UFO Nice, it's such a nice. killer record. We kind of did some blasphemous shit with that song, though. You know, there's no guitar cello in the original, which I don't understand because Michael Schechner is just oh. amazing. See, that's a great
0: guitar band,
2: yeah. I know, right? It's like, why do you put it like one of the coolest things you ever put a cello on? And so, we put a cello on that one, and I did a dueling cello, which you know. And then we did another chorus and we didn't do it exactly like UFOs. So we did it. We also raised the key to F sharp because it was better for Charlie's voice. And I think it sounds more like Iron Maiden now, but you know, whatever. I think it'd be a really cool idea. You're speaking my yeah.
0: language. That's all I know.
2: Cause like, you know, everybody, everybody been to Iron Maiden show. Yes. Okay. Dr. Doctor, Doctor comes on then then Iron Maiden comes on, right? what if we play Dr. Doctor and then simultaneously Iron Maiden comes on, you know what I'm saying? Like Just throwing that out there, Bruce Dickinson, wherever you're at, you know. Hope he listens to you all show. Cool. <laughs> I, I hope he does. Bruce, if you do, let us know. You can come on anytime yeah. you want. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but, like I said, man, we just wanted to do guitar stuff and drum stuff and vocal stuff that was fun, that we loved as kids, and funny enough, there's a new wave of classic rock happening. You know what I'm saying? There's like all these bands that are doing the same exact thing. Dirty yep. Honey, uh, Joyous Wolf. We've uh, had Joyous Wolf on, we've we yeah, had Justin. Yeah. We had Nick uh, on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it just goes on and on. The Georgia Thunderbolts are amazing. Yeah, yep. we've had those You've guys on. on. The I'm the gonna see them, them open for amazing. Tyler Bryant. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Bryant. Oh man, I know, dude. I wanted to go to that. We almost had that sidetrack show with them in Alabama where it's gonna be Tyler Bryant. <laughs> the Georgia Thunderbolts and South of Eden three of the oh, yeah, yeah. New classic rock bands. Like, I mean, it's actually going to be an absolute, just they're going to probably burn that place down. You know, it's going to be <laughs> Armageddon.
0: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to Saturday night to see Tyler Bryant, the shakedown and the Georgia Thunderbolts. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be amazing.
2: It's quite a pairing, man. I, oh, it's I'm, great. I'm excited that there's so many good rock and roll bands again. Like, you know, it didn't seem like we really knew about these guys pre-pandemic. I mean, I did because we were out on the road and we'd see all the same billings. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see them rise up like everybody's doing right now and getting attention, you know. And it's killer, you know. I'm really excited about all my peers.
0: I love it, man. Like, I'm an old dude. I'm, I'm 45. So, like, <laughs> to have young guys like you and your peers come back, and have guitar-oriented rock, like it's a it's a thing of beauty now. Which which is sad is you guys don't get a lot of press. And I I literally say this every podcast, but this is why Brian is doing what he's doing with the podcast.
1: Cool. Yeah, you're mentioning all these great bands, and that you know basically that's the goal of this podcast. You know, uh, we say all things blues and southern rock, and it's really more of a ballpark figure. You know, but we're really focusing in all these newer, you know, semi newer, you know, younger bands, and and we're really hoping to be like, uh, you know, to help promote this stuff because it seems like the promotion nowadays is DIY.
2: I do all my promotion. And yeah. wants to help or another put on the bill. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and how I come across like, stuff like, like me writing press releases with my girlfriend. So we can send them out to, you know, all like media in the towns, but that should be somebody's job. That used to be somebody's job in rock and roll, some a and person or mm-hmm. somebody's staff person at a label. And a band of my size that draws as many people as we do every show, I mean, we draw at least somewhere between 50 and 100 people every show. We should have been signed in 2000. We should have been signed in 1990. We should have been signed in 1980. But it's a totally different business now. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize that if you're a young band like this and you don't have that kind of support, you have to put yourself out as a, you know, kind of like a, you know, a a buy-in or pickup option or, you know, a, you know, something to invest in, you know.
1: I mean, I came across you know lately the thing the biggest source has been when you're on Facebook and you know they'll you know as you're scrolling it'll be like you know, other people you may know and we uh, we talked to a lot of the bands the Kentucky's got a great thing going on Kentucky and then up in New York City so we have friends on Facebook and then we're seeing all these other people and like whoever looks like they're in a band like I click on it and then I see a band name and it's like. Every time I think we're, like, running out of people to talk to, more pop up. You know, like, with, with Greasy Tree, I just, like, Googled yeah, Little Rock music scene, and there was some website, and they came up. And it's just, like, yeah, I mean, and all you guys, you know, deserve to be promoted so much more. But if anything we could do, man, like I said, that's a big part, part of the show. Um, if I can piggyback off that, like you mentioned earlier, knowing those guys and, like, what – Is there a quote-unquote scene in Little Rock?
2: Uh, More of an Arkansas scene, I'd like to think of. Uh, There's bands all over the state. My band actually is built off of uh, people. I mean, we don't all live in Little Rock. I'm the only one that lives in Little Rock. Uh, The bass player lives in Conway, which is north of here. Mm -hmm. And the singer lives in Cabot, which is the other direction, north of here. And then the the other guitar player and drummer, drummer lives in Kingsland, home with Johnny Cash. And then uh, like the Guitar player lives in Magnolia. So, I mean, you know, it's spread out all over the state. And there's a bunch of bands all over the state. So, there's really good bands too. Like, there's a really good jam band that's really doing exceptionally well. They're in uh Northwest Arkansas. They're called Vintage Pistol. And y'all should have them on sometime. They're yeah, really I've heard bands. of them. Yeah. These guys are really rocking for a jam band. You know, I mean, Greg Allman said there's the bands that jam and there's jam bands, you know and uh, uh there's adam Fawcett is a great songwriter out of uh little rock um man there's just so much i can email some of y'all over yeah that for really sure is, yeah there's a whole bunch of great bands.
1: because that's usually a question we ask our guests like who is out there that we haven't heard of that you think we'll just you know blow our socks off so it's good that you're mentioning these other
2: bands uh, there's another rock band called Steven Nieper and the Wild Hearts that I used to play with, and uh, they're they're a really good rock band. They're definitely someone you would want to talk to. I'm I'm typing notes out as you're speaking. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right on. Uh, we did two shows with Tyler Bryant in that band, and we did shows with Whiskey Myers as well. When I was at oh the nice, place. okay, yeah, yeah. So you're getting out. I We're mean, you played with a lot of different band. artists. Yeah, man, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. So yeah, it's been playing clubs and, and venues and festivals since I was 15. So you definitely meet a bunch of different bands and people throughout those different bands. You know, it's funny which ones, you know, from all the different time periods that still are doing it. So
1: the guys in greasy tree had mentioned like, you know, more going up to Memphis to, to record and play. Is that something that you, you guys do at all?
2: Uh, I, I predominantly record everything in Little Rock, Arkansas at studios with Jason Tedford. And uh, since I have my own uh, background with recording and production, I do most of the work there, just me, him, and then Joseph Fuller, who also is exceptionally uh, well with uh, production. He has a great ear, and like I said, he can play every instrument. He knows how to place them, and he's learned a lot from Jason over the years, and so they're both really good producers. And so the three of us get together and make some really exceptional sounds. Uh, take that and send it to a great mastering engineer, and it gets even better, you know. But all that's a bunch of you know capital that a struggling rock and roll band, you know, is mm-hmm. barely doing it on their own, you know.
1: Does uh does the blues play in at all? The influence to you?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Muddy Waters is my like man i love that guy like oh man oh my gosh you know we we travel every time we travel through mississippi i'm like there's rolling fork that's where we're <laughs> from and then we went to chess records in miss in uh, uh chicago on michigan avenue when we were up there at one of the first gigs and i was just so giddy like a little kid you know it's like and keith uh dixon willie dixon's son actually or his grandson actually showed us around the whole place and let me like play willie dixon's bass and like show me where Muddy Waters would stand and, you know, show me where Howlin' Wolf would stand. And Howlin' Wolf's an Arkansas guy. So, uh, you know, mad respect for him too. And, you know, there's a funny story about Howlin' Wolf and how much he, how hard he worked, you know. He left Arkansas in like 1940-something with like $30,000. It's like how did he get $30,000 in like the 1940s? Right. You know, an African-American in that atmosphere in the South you know, and it's like, that's about working his ass off, and he being a very good person to everyone, and, you know, and moved to Chicago, because, I mean, the South was full of bullshit, but, you know, uh, I'll be damned if that music didn't influence everything all over the world, you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, yeah. how much rock and roll, and Americana, and It's like Canadians, they all try to act like Southerners, you know. It's weird, you know, the American. The band, oh, well, the band, right? Yeah, you go to the UK, it's the same thing, man. It's weird, you know. It's like, and that all comes from even now, the dead out in California, they're trying to act like Southern boys, you know. It was weird, you know. It's, it's, it, it's you know growing up in it you know when i go over there to europe and stuff they're like wow you're actually authentic you talk like that and that's actually how you are and it's like yeah man they're you know so they, they say my guitar sounds like how i talk and i don't get that but it's cool you know? <laughs> but uh it's weird how the south has influenced so much literature and art and uh the rest of the world i mean jazz came from new orleans and from mm-hmm. the south and you know obviously everybody migrated to these cities of new york and detroit and chicago and started making amazing music there but they were all southern people that moved up there because they were tired of the bullshit from the south you know yep. yep and you know it's it's crazy all the if you're in the south and you grow up here blues is in your music if you're playing in music whether you like it or not you know And I played in all types of church. And so gospel was definitely in there, you know? And I mean, it's just, it's like in the water, you know? And so I grew up listening. When I lived in Texas, Lightning Hopkins was, you know, him and Mason were just, you know, unstoppable. And there was this cat named uh, Texas Johnny Brown that was like Les Paul. Like, man, dude, he was just so nasty and clean with this stuff. And I mean- you know, everybody has their areas, you know, every city has all their different musicians that, you know, like Ray Charles would always start his bands out of Houston and stuff like that, you know, and it's just weird how, how, you know, music kind of is like barbecue, it's like very territorial and you can hear the differences and taste the differences and smell them, you know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) That's a really good, that's actually a really good comparison, like the music is like the barbecue, like it's, I've not heard that before, but it makes sense both yeah. come
1: from the
0: south yeah, yeah we right. have all your little regional flavors to it
2: yeah they are man it's just like that and us being in arkansas we're right between all the texas stuff all the mississippi stuff all the Louis yeah Louis you're texas, close to memphis
0: you're the- close to texas yeah. yeah
2: exactly man and so that's why when you hear my stuff and my songwriting previously there's like memphis type horns in there as well but there's also like slide guitar at times You know, there's there's a whole bunch of southern pedal steel and I mean, it don't get much southern in that, you know. And so we still have a southern rock thing going on, but we're definitely more more rocking vibe now, you know, and blues has always been an influence. And I was talking to the other guys the other day about how we need to get more blues into our set because it's just so much fun to play.
0: Well, you do have a blues song on the last album, you know, not it's bluesy and it even hold on. I got the name of it right here. The goodbye to the blues that's you know on the, on your last yeah. album
2: yeah. yeah that's so yeah that's just me the drummer and Joseph fuller on that whole track ain't that yeah so, yeah sounds like a whole room full of cats like the wrecking crew and that's what we were trying to base it off of
0: yeah yeah
2: that's yeah, just yeah that's that that one I wrote in a dream when I was living in Austin Texas I woke up and I wrote the song down immediately after I woke up and I went back to bed and the next day I started writing it because it was just stuck in my head. I started getting the chords behind it and everything, and then uh, I was always like, "Man, this sounds like a song Willie Nelson should do." We kind of did like an Everly Brothers vocal on it to like a Count Basie kind of background. So, you know, that's a like, good
0: song. I made a note. I made a note
2: on that one. Cool, thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: It's funny, you dream songs and come up with that. Literally the other day, and then getting off subject, I woke up in the morning from a dream and I was trying to remember the University of Louisville's mascot. I don't know why I didn't go to Louisville. <laughs> I'm from Ohio, but I woke up. I'm like, what the hell is the University of Louisville's mascot? It took me like five minutes to realize it's Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, why you're a professional musician.
2: We and I'm not call that on license plate as we were coming through. <laughs> we were in Ohio earlier in last week. We went through Muscle Shoals and then up to Ohio for some gigs.
0: What'd you play in Ohio?
2: We played uh, Cincinnati at Stanley's uh, and we played Dayton at this little friends thing that he puts together every year, like a twig stock event. It's like, is what he calls it. It's like kind of like mini Woodstock. It's a lot of fun. With a bunch so of I'm from
0: Cincinnati Dayton area and my band still plays in Dayton. So I'm very curious about this.
2: Oh, Cool, yeah, we played in like the Oregon district,
0: yeah, that's yep, yeah. like Oregon Express, Blind Bob's, those are yep. all places yep. that all we frequent, yep.
2: yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to actually get some more work there. Damn, yeah. if I would have known,
0: you gotta let me know next time you're coming through that area, okay, yeah,
2: awesome, yep. And we went up and um, played Youngstown with another uh, new wave of class. You play Peaches, no, we played uh, uh, uh West Side Bowl, oh, okay, yeah. So, so my band's
0: played peaches before and the last time we played there dave chappelle showed up and invited us back to hang out with him afterwards at his house which we did
2: wow that's cool as hell yep we
0: have my band and the other band that was playing with us and about four other people about 12 people hung out with chappelle at his little bar he built onto his house
2: wow man other than kyle canane he's one of my favorite comedians out there right he's a
0: super nice guy and i'm like why the hell you're letting eight strangers into your home with literally your family sleeping upstairs you're a weird dude and he was super cool
2: yeah i don't know some people like to party yeah. is that
0: he'd like to hang out with regular people
2: yeah definitely probably keeps them centered and humble
0: I think so. I think he just wants to be left alone. Like, every even at the bar, people kind of left him to his own thing, you know. Other than us, we're like, holy shit, there's Dave Chappelle watching us play.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, normally when I meet someone that's of higher stature than myself, uh, I always just kind of bullshit, you know what I'm saying? I don't ever talk about their records or, any, you know, work. We talk about regular stuff. Yeah, you don't want to talk about work, man, you know. You want to talk about, you know, you like fishing or where's your favorite place to eat in town, you know. what what kind of drinks you like, you know, unless they don't drink, you know, (laughs) which is a lot of the older artists now. Yeah. Well,
0: he did have, I guess at one point, George Clooney owned his own tequila company and he had a bunch of bottles of that. He was having us try. So it was a good time. He's a nice guy. And it was just, it was a surreal moment. I'll just put it that way. That's cool, man. It's awesome. Another
1: uh, goal of this podcast uh, is to hopefully get people, even if it's just a few to maybe think a little bit deeper about what, southern rock is and the amalgamation of music that that makes that you know like rock and roll blues gospel and all that mm-hmm. um and uh and how much it seems like you mentioned earlier about being in the water like it seems like people from the south like the the, the creation of song almost seems like driven in your dna like it's almost a higher responsibility a does that uh...
2: <laughs> I feel that sometimes uh... You know I didn't really like recognize that for a long time or anything but I definitely now the uh, you know getting a bit older I do do feel that at times you know it's a bit of a responsibility especially now that you know so many of my uh, uh, people that I looked at you know who I grew up looking at and you know admiring and now are somewhat peers you know a lot of them are moving on and passing away and getting out of the business and You know, it's like, you know, that old George Jones song. Who's going to fill them shoes? You know, it's like, you know, you do feel like, you know, I got it. There's a flame to carry a bit of, you know, and I think that's what all the other rock bands are feeling right now, too, because a lot of our bands are saying farewell and they're doing their farewell tours and they're not coming back after the pandemic or, you know, uh, somebody didn't make it, you know. And so, you know, we're definitely feeling Everybody wants to be the Stones and still be able to do it at 80, you know, and, you know, have all the, you know, luxuries of the world behind you. But that's just not reality. You know, I think the Black Crows are feeling that, too, you know. It's like, you know, you can't take off too long, you know. You can't really get away from it, you know. You got to keep your fans with music and you got to keep them with shows or otherwise they're going to kind of forget about you, you know. And that's just the reality of it. So, Jason, are we at that point in the show?
0: I, I believe so, Brian, as <laughs> long as you want me to go. <laughs> go ahead. All right, Drew. Hey, we do something here at the end of each interview where we do a lightning round. Just, just simple, easy questions that we just, you know, that you don't need to overthink or expound too much on. You, you would you like to do that? Cool. All right. First thing before I really get in my lightning round questions, I'm a big baseball guy. I see behind you.
2: Is that Willie Mays? Who do we That's have? Yeah, then, that's Duke Snyder next to him. Yeah,
0: no uh, kidding
2: Autographs.
0: So, yeah, that's pretty bad. I love baseball. I was that, baseball
2: and music. The two things I love. I'm looking forward to the all star game today. I watch. I am too. Game. We were we we're in the on the bus coming home uh, le- last week or yesterday, and I was watching the home run derby on YouTube and I kept getting kicked off. And so I had to watch the Spanish broadcast backwards mirrored image. But it was great. I loved every minute of it. That's dedication. Yeah.
0: Well, I've got two of my Cincinnati Reds starting tonight in the outfield, yeah. so I got to watch.
2: I was going for Otani, but you know, that's pretty amazing. He's starting and pitching. That dude is insane. That's some Babe Ruth level stuff, you know. Well,
0: yeah, because he pitches 100 miles per hour and he mashes home runs
2: constantly. Yeah. You know, I think his ERA is still under three. Uh,
0: just, you know, and he's just, got, he's just crazy.
2: Runner. Yeah. It's, it's nuts.
0: Just crazy. You know, Brian, somehow we always get off on sports in this podcast. <laughs> it's even good. It's not, I When we had Steve Gorman on, I like told him ahead of time, we're going to talk sports because you did. And it was was one of the greatest thrills of my life to talk sports with Steve Gorman.
2: Yeah, man. I, I'm such a big fan of the Black Crows. I'm sad that they're continuing without him and the other guys. You know, it's yeah, you no, know, the whole fan base is feeling that, you know. But yeah, I'm still gonna go see him. I love those fucking. I'm guys. gonna see him in,
0: in uh, Cincinnati at the beginning of August.
2: Yeah. So I'm my ticket. So yeah, you know it's whatever nice opening man. Holy shit, that's worth the ticket alone, in my opinion. But honey are big ass, they that's do great fan, dude. They're writing the hooks. The best thing that can happen in rock and roll right now, fellas, Let me say this on here, is that all these other new wave of classic rock bands is try to write a fucking hit. Yeah. If we get a radio hit, that's going to help every other band. That's going to help every single one of us because all of a sudden every record company is going to go, what? Oh, let's reopen our rock side of our label and uh, invest some yep. money in this. You know? wholehearted, Wholeheartedly.
0: Mm-hmm. And I hope it happens.
2: Yeah, so let's try to write some hits, boys. girls, yeah. You know, ladies, fellas, I don't, I don't care. Who's <laughs> right? Let's write a fucking song that's on the radio. Get some traction. Rock. When was the last time you heard that?
0: been a long time brother
2: right what was it like jet maybe or the two, i mean the two fighters yeah now. two
0: fighters are still doing it but fighters
2: like, like now, though, i'm talking about rock and roll man early like, 2000s like, for like sure aerosmith type rock and roll like yeah like the stones like acdc like shit that sounds like that. yeah jet silvertide sound like that you know what i'm saying they've always had a little bit more of a pop sensibility which good for them that that makes hits you know they have radio hits but so
0: my daughter's 16 last year she says dad can you make me a rock playlist of stuff that you like because all the rock bands now aren't that good i'm like well you haven't heard everybody but yeah she wanted like aerosmith
2: and you know all that kind of stuff. yeah yeah exactly let's, let's not try to be all deep and emotional let's let's like write some well
0: because she doesn't hear modern rock music because when you listen to anything it's not played
2: yeah exactly the radio is not going to play it unless it's garnered enough. attention. That's exactly
0: right. So anyway, well, I'm, I, sure, you back to
2: lightning round. Here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's the first album you remember getting?
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Zeppelin four. I got it 12 years old. My mom gave it to me. Thanks mom.
0: That's a good one to start out with. Some, yeah. some classic tracks on that one for sure, man. Big hitters. Yeah.
2: Um, what's your favorite guitar? Fender Stratocaster.
0: Okay. So you are you Fender over Gibson?
2: Man, it's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> really hard to admit that. But I, I love the way Gibsons look and, and and you know, really that's it. I mean, they play really great sometimes. Yep. But I always feel more at home with the Strat and it's weird. Okay. I feel so comfortable and I can play more articulate. Different shape neck. I mean, it's sort of, I yeah. don't know what it's about, but, yeah, I'm just more comfortable with that. Then even more so than a Tele, too. It's just weird. You know, are you then, a
0: maple or a rosewood neck guy Either one. board don't either one.
2: discriminate yeah you know, okay they're both beautiful uh they both play about the same in my my opinion you know uh i you know it's i don't know something beautiful about a strat you know and i i god man i hate to say this but i don't like the prs one the headstock throws me off i don't it's either like, it's like it's like the original is so beautiful and it's just sexy and you're just like... Oh, like man.
0: that John Mayer model stuff you're talking about. that yeah. The body looks exactly yeah. like a Strat.
2: Yeah, and another thing, John Mayer quit doing the sob rock. Why don't you just rock, man? Like, nobody <laughs> wants to hear the sob. <laughs>
0: that album is like an 80s cheese rock uh, throwback.
2: I wanted to like it. So cover much. looks
0: like it even.
2: Yeah, I wanted to like it so bad.
0: All neon. It's all like 80s soft rock.
2: Sounds like Toto and Phil Collins, but the vocal's not there for that stuff. You gotta have a vocal for that stuff. That dude
0: can shred on guitar, and when he does original music, he wastes it. He wastes that talent. He's killing it with the dead.
2: He's he's shredding it with the dead. He's doing a way better job than I could or anybody with the dead. You know, but I mean...
0: I just don't don't dig his original stuff at all.
2: yeah just don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um who's your favorite guitar player uh, hmm. there's so many there's a lot of them. uh justin young in south of eden completely shreds and i love that dude he's a great guy um oh man uh there's a cat named austin named cat clemens and he is amazing. He He's just doing, like, all kind of piano stuff and jazz stuff and really conceptual stuff on guitar. And uh, Daniel Donato is a bad boy. Ooh, really, really good guitar player. And, uh, um, I mean, of course, Tyler Bryant, that dude's yeah. sick. Yeah. I, but I wish they would have a hit. Like, like, they got good songs, but they ain't got a hit yet, man. Yeah. It's like, I feel like they're really close, you know? If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be like them or Dorothy or you know, Dorothy. Another, I love Dorothy. That's a
0: good band and i've listened to yeah. those guys for the last couple
2: of years i'm surprised rival sons hadn't had a hit you know they're such an amazing band yeah well fuzz lord is like you know fuzz lord you know and marcus so,
0: king marcus king band
2: i mean yeah jesus yeah I, I don't know why there hadn't been any hits whatsoever yet out of any of that group i just you think because
0: nobody's really playing them enough to really get them that I, exposure I, you
2: know? I mean they everyone's had success with songs and stuff like that but no one's had a top 10 no one's yeah uh, yeah you know what i'm saying no one's been on billboard like like Really been on billboard, you know what I'm saying? Like, and like your shit's on every wet radio, you know what I'm saying? Like Bruno Mars level stuff, you know, right?
0: Right, the billboard, hot ch- 100 charts, not the modern rock or all country or whatever. Exactly. Yeah,
2: That's what I'm talking about I really well, even
0: Blackberry Smoke, who Brian and I absolutely love. Like, you would think Brian, those guys would come- yeah, a crossover. Yeah,
2: they're such a great band, hell yeah. I mean, all I- these guys are great bands, I feel like it's coming, I feel like it's all just about to, you know, one of us. Because there's so many good bands. Yeah. I mean, Mark and Poe. I mean, there's oh Lark so and Poe. I mean, bands. come on. Yeah. I mean, so somebody's gonna have a hit. Somebody. Yep.
0: It's coming. I'm with you. I can. You can kind of feel it building, right? It's and I, it's, all the bands, band's going to burst. All the
2: guitar players from all those bands. <laughs> so that goes along right with all that question. <laughs> yeah, they're legit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone absolutely shreds and everyone steps up the game every time. You know, it's. You know, I mean, there's no like lackluster guitar playing happening with any of these new bands. No,
0: you guys, this new generation rock bands, you included have people that actually know how to play instruments, which is nice. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's not computers. Yep. Um, what is the first uh, concert that you remember seeing or ever saw?
2: Aerosmith with the Colt opening. Oh, nice. Here in town. And I got to have it all come full circle because we got to open for Bon Jovi in that same arena.
0: Did you really?
2: Yeah, man. It was like 14,000 people. It was a really cool event. What is
0: that like, being in front of 14,000 people?
2: Man, it was really comfortable, and we we try to do it as often as possible. <laughs>
0: Jeez. I, Hopefully, you get to do it more. More, uh,
2: oh, we, you just know, did, more. we just did about six, 7,000 with Vanilla Ice, and that was pretty interesting that they gave us a gig with, you know.
0: Vanilla Was he doing his rap?
2: Yeah, well, no, he was doing rap and rock. It was oh, okay because I know he did that rap rock or whatever for a while. Or, you know. a very weird show, but man, we dug it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. The audience was great. You know, those people want to rock out. I feel like everybody today wants a little bit of everything. You know, and yeah, so, you know, I feel like rock needs to sam- step up for the sample platter. There, you know, everybody else is producing hits. You know,
0: hell yeah. Um, what is a favorite local venue for you?
2: Uh, stickies, yeah, that's a great place with a really good sound guy, yeah, Maestro's the guy, yeah, and then uh, Rev Room is the other club from there that's like the bigger one. If you you sell out stickies, then you start playing Rev Room, you sell out Rev Room, then you start playing the bigger venue and then the arena, and you know, that's happened up in fluctuations for us over the years. And uh, uh, another great place is Midtown Billiards here in town. Uh, they stay open at 2 to 5 a.m. It's a weird gig. Wow. Ugh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think I would dig a gig like that at my age. I want to go to bed like at 11.
2: But so we'll play a show before that and then we'll go play that show. And you know, <laughs> we'll just... man, that's a lot of rock and roll.
0: What kind of crowd is the 2 to 5 a.m. crowd?
2: That's a lot of service industry folks that are. Oh, yeah.
0: People just get off work I and mean, want to wind I mean, down a little bit.
2: also a lot of people that are just weird too drunk to be in public. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but it makes for a very fun route rowdy crowd you know sure sure you know we have fun with it uh man there's so many great venues the best place I've ever played at is uh Montreux Jazz Fest that was absolutely the best gig and probably the pinnacle you know like
0: the Montreux Jazz Fest in like
2: actual Canada or no Switzerland Oh, Switzerland.
0: Oh, oh Switzerland sorry yes Yep. Doesn't doesn't Canada have like the like in Quick Quebec or something? Don't they do one themselves or is it like the Quebec Jazz Fest? Well,
2: they okay, a, yeah, they definitely have a Jazz Fest. I don't know if it's tied to Montreux or not. I
0: thought they called it I don't. Maybe I'm I'm wrong. But yeah, Montreux, and that's actually too where isn't that where uh deep purple came up with smoke on the water because there was a fire yeah. and they woke up the next morning yeah yeah, and, yeah yeah
2: funny enough they were there the same uh week that we were playing and so that was we got to see deep purple and that was just badass we got to hang out with Roger Glover backstage and met Quincy Jones and that was just you know that was pretty big that was awesome
0: damn yeah. um, what is a favorite local venue a uh, restaurant for you to go to feel you like you if Brian and I were in town you like you got to go here
2: Oh, man. Uh, Leo's is good, like kind of Greek-American food. It's real simple here in town. And then uh, um, Star of India is the best Indian food in town. Oh, I love Indian food. Kamuri is the best sushi in town. Uh, La Hacienda is the best Mexican in town.
0: So what I'm getting from you, Drew, is your world travelers traveling has led you to have an international (laughs) palate.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I judge every city on the same thing. Like you ask me what city and I'll tell you the best restaurants and all of them. Cause if I'm
0: talking to a rock from Arkansas, I'm
2: not expecting to hear, well, here's a good Indian restaurant. Here's a good sushi. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, man. Uh, yeah. It's definitely, you know, traveling and traveling the world opens your mind to all types of things. You know, everybody around the world, sleeps and and poops the same way and breathes the same way and all that they just do their lives in between a little bit differently you know yep you know and what we eat is you know sometimes pretty similar stuff and then sometimes drastically different and it's just how much how comfortable you are on all that right <laughs> well you dive man, in you should dive into the local doctor. stuff
0: right take the experience while you're there don't go to Absolutely. mcdonald's yep.
2: yeah yeah and i've traveled all over the world and so man there's there's great foods everywhere. Absolutely great foods everywhere. So people like to eat. Yeah, to that's everybody. true. <laughs> you know?
0: What is your all-time favorite venue to play?
2: <sighs> yeah, I guess Montreux. Montro Jazz. Yeah, that was that was the that was the the best one. And I hope to get back there again. And play. I hope you can.
0: That's outstanding.
2: Yeah, man, it was just it was a like I said a pinnacle. Maybe I don't know. That was pretty awesome. That was in front of like three to five thousand people, something like that. I didn't get the complete figure on it, but I mean they do an amazing thing over there. After the show, they gave me a piece of paper to write down all the names of the songs we played and the songwriters of all those songs. That way that everybody got paid for the yeah. performance. Oh wow. Why the hell do we not do that in America? That's classy. Right? It's because they got regulations and unions and you know things to protect the normal common folk, you know, that we well,
0: US bands have- for years have been screwed. Like I'm talking about even in the sixties and seventies, like from the record companies for that yeah, picking no, out the
2: royalties. Our industry is, is one of the worst in the world. And the more that we as musicians can be, you know, uh, knowledgeable and educated on, you know, the ins and outs of business of it, you know, it's like all of us entered this business and industry and had no idea about how to actually function within it. We just were all like, let's play a gig, you know, and (laughs) we all all love it. I mean, you do it because you love it. Right. Because if you get into it to do money, Man, you're just dumb. Like that's just dumb. Like, like <laughs> go do something else. You know what I'm saying? Like investment banking or something like that. But like you're not gonna make any money in music straight nope. up. Like, like, I mean, just you're just not, you know. It's you do it because you love it. And if you break even, like uh Richard Manuel said from the band, you know, then I mean, what else can you ask for? You know, right. life, life fulfilled, right? I mean, what what you can't take any of that shit with you when you leave. So, I mean. Nope. Enjoy it while you can now, and hopefully you can do it and get by. Yeah, man. Because life's short. You never know how short. So, Well, man. this
0: pandemic's kind of taught us that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely.
0: If you could play with one band for one night, any band through history or artist, who would it be? Mm. And I mean, you actually play in the band, not open for them. You're part of the band for that night.
2: Part of the band. I would mm-hmm. love to play With Jimi Hendrix and the experience, that would be just the, the, you know, the ducks' nuts or the cat tits, however, you <laughs> like, I mean, you know, he was him and Eddie V were the two guitar players, in my opinion, to change guitar fundamentally and how everybody uh approached it mentally. Yep, more than any other two guitar players, ever. And nobody could ever replicate them either. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know.
0: What is a favorite song that you've ever written?
2: Man, I think Goodbye to the Blues was one of my favorites. Uh, uh, That was, you know, the whole arrangement that we did behind it. I was really happy with all that and the way it came across. I'm really happy with that whole record. That record came out during the pandemic and Mm you can have Billboard premiere the record and everything. And it just was a flop. No, we didn't sell anything. Nobody was buying anything. Well, I mean, it was, you know, it just totally went over everybody's heads because everybody was like UFOs are real. What that totally went over everybody's <laughs> well, heads too. You know what I'm saying? And rock bands only sell good records.
0: Good, good it lot, shows. Man. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, 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 you sell records by touring and nobody was touring. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we know the radio is not playing anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also another song I'm really happy about is uh, on the second win record, which I got a copy right there. Uh, that end track there's a track called uh, uh, I'm Blue But Not Because of You and I'm really happy about that track. That's a great title yeah, Thank you So what
0: is a song that you'd wish you'd written that you've heard? Mm. Um,
2: whew, yeah that's a tough one uh, There's so many Wow
0: Like I just love this song. Hey 10 years gone
2: You know hey You know the business so I have to approach things most ways nowadays like there's a business side and then there's the musoid side you know he has a lot of fun he doesn't so this guy would choose happy birthday because that's the biggest one to pull in money every single year but this guy he would choose like uh because you know he loves music and not money (laughs) he would probably choose uh I don't know, man, probably something like My Girl. That's like a genius song. The whole whole arrangement, everything, you know, um, especially that guitar riff. Yeah, yeah. It's just such a a classic guitar riff. It's so cool, man. Yeah, a lot of people don't know who that guy was, you know, Robert White with the the Funk Brothers, you know. It's crazy, man. You can, you know, be in this business and write a hit. Nobody knows who the hell you are. You can, Mm. you know. You know, just it's just such a tumbling dice business, you know. Yeah, you know, yep. I mean good, I love good it. Good
0: stones reference, by the way. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's that's one of the most truest things I've ever known about this business is you know, it's just a gamble and I'm a shit gambler, so I don't know why I do it other than I fucking love it. Anytime we go play a casino, I'm just like, I'm good, guys. I'm good. I always lose. It's horrible, it's embarrassing. But, you know, I've accepted it over the years. Oh,
0: shit. All right. I have um, three questions left, two quick and one a little bit longer. So what's your favorite guitar solo of all time?
2: Oh, man. Um, Man, these are great questions, Jason. You know, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, man. Damn, I should have been more prepared for this. (laughs) I've never been asked this before, though. I'm surprised. It seems like one you should be asked. Right? You know, everybody wants to say Stairway to Heaven, but I think Black Dog's better.
0: Yeah. And
2: that's such a killer, killer, killer uh, guitar solo.
0: I think Stairway's the most famous, probably, or one of the yeah. most famous.
2: Doesn't mean it's the best. hmm As far as, like, orchestrated solos go, um, man, some of Randy Rhoad's stuff is just so well sure. together. And so is Eddie V's. I mean, Eddie V's stuff is just genius on how he just, you know no one would think of that next line like that, but it flows. So it's like, so I always try to think like Bruce Lee, like does it flow like water? You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. path of least resistance kind of shit, you know? And so I I hopefully think that the record goes this song right in the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And hopefully all the records actually flow in together like that. And that's what I've done with the first three records. And I'm hopefully to try to continue all that as a continual flow. of Like if you want to listen from beginning to end, this is how they flow together. Yeah,
0: right on. Okay,
2: so Um approach the guitar solo the same way, and I I, I don't know, man. It had to be like an Eddie V solo, I, I, I guess to top of all of it. Yeah, beat it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Michael
2: Jack. He played the solo, right? I know, man. Yeah, Steve Lukather played the other guitar part. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. That um,
2: sound like anybody? He's amazing. Well,
0: Toto was the studio band, I think, for the
2: Thriller album, weren't they? Yep, yep, and yeah. for so many other artists, Steely Dan and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Toto was kind of like the band; they backed so many other people and did studio stuff, and then they kind of had their own own work. But they
2: backed a lot of famous people. Yeah, and we're real proud of Levon Helm around here.
0: Right, he's the only dude that was from America from the band. Everybody else was freaking Canadian.
2: He's what really sold them, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, every re- it really made it really authentic when they heard Levon sing. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah.
2: lyrics weren't authentic enough on their own, but man, he really sold it, you know. And so, that was a
0: band that tried to sound like they were from the South and wrote from a South perspective
2: and a lot of stuff. Yeah, but they actually had a Southern boy in the band. They so. did. They did.
0: Um, okay, last quick question before a little bit longer one. What is your guilty
2: pleasure song or artist? Mm, I really like the Backstreet Boys.
0: Damn, I Brian, I would have never expected that. That's a good
2: one. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say this is a guilty pleasure. But man, I'm all about this new Silk Sonic thing, the Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars thing. Like, I mean, I, I would just say that's outside my genre, you know, or yeah. whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that shit is so smooth and like, like, I'll check like, it out. and it's like, fun. it's like you know the Isley Brothers kind of stuff. Man, it's just smooth and it's so cool. I love. Bruno it.
0: Mars is a super talented, dude. From from, from that Prince tribute, the Grammys a couple of years ago when he was playing, you know, just like that guy actually is a talented dude.
2: But have y'all heard Anderson Pack?
0: no i'm no. not
2: that's his cohort it, man and he really brings it to like a a really a, in my opinion honest authentic thing not that like bruno isn't but bruno's like a pop star so you're kind of hesitant yeah. you know but dude anderson packs a singing drummer and rapping drummer and he is amazing what, what is the name of that group with with those guys silk sonic Silk Sonic. All right, I'm making yeah, They have guy. a hit song called Leave the Door Open. I'm sure my daughter knows them. I'll ask. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just like 70s vibes all the way. Great production. It's a killer song. Can't wait to hear the rest of the, the album. They're putting. I'm intrigued. Yeah. But, all I right, Mike. My... Go ahead. I love, I love shitty 90 music, too. You know, <laughs> like uh, uh, Bare Naked Ladies and stuff like that. You know?
0: I mean, you know, you take that subjectively i saw i saw the bare naked ladies just open up for hooting the blowfish two years ago i was i like hooting the blowfish i was in college and that shit came out so you know it's cheesy
2: yeah but it's fun yeah oh it's fun
0: fun and the people are talented
2: it's it's one of the first bands i really got into that and like matchbox 20 and stuff yeah man i think rob thomas is a great songwriter but his stuff is super cheesy sometimes (laughs) That's super cheesy but like i mean it's junk food right fun you know yeah, and third eye blind and that stuff when we were kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. You learn you can get far with three chords. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself in trouble. I'm going to move on to the last question of the lightning round before we kind of sign off. But um, give us a good tour
2: story, something
0: that sticks out in your mind.
2: Okay. Um, so we're on our way to a gig in Muscle Shoals or Nashville. Can't remember which one but we're like almost to Memphis. And the drummer goes, uh, I left my drum rug. And I'm like, oh, that's all right. The venue probably has a rug somewhere. We'll probably just, you know, find one. And he goes, I also left all my hardware.
0: Uh.
2: <laughs> so we stop at the Memphis drum shop, to get this dude all his hardware and stuff like that. And he bought some new stuff, but he had to loan it from the band and all that. And it was a big hassle. And then we're, like, on our way over there, and the car breaks down, the the bus that we're taking or van, whatever. And so it's, like, like, an hour or two outside of Memphis, and so we're, like, waiting on a tow truck, and we call AAA and all this stuff. And they're, like, yeah, 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 they're coming, and just no one ever shows up and we're at this gas station and this guy shows up in a tow truck and we're like this is the guy and he's like no i'm, I'm just here off work and We're like, oh my god dude can you please tow us back to little rock and uh because there's no way we're making gigs already happened like i'm talking yeah. about we've been on the side of the road for like eight nine hours at this point oh geez yeah and so uh <laughs> uh we're like, hey man, I'll pay you whatever to get back. That was an expensive weekend between the drummer's hardware and the. <laughs> How do you forget the hardware, like? Yeah, right. How do you forget your instrument? I mean, now
0: I understand why you fight with the drummer. I'm getting to get the picture here. <laughs>
2: get the vibe? yeah, yeah. He's a big, beautiful, blonde idiot, you know, but he's a great rock drummer. Yeah, a great rock drummer. Yeah. Lord,
0: well Drew uh good story. Thank you. We appreciate you being on here. Um, where do we follow you? Where do we hear your music? What, you know, website, so all, Instagram?
2: Yeah, everything can be found on uh defrancemusic.com and then uh any of the socials were under defrance rock and roll. That's on Facebook, Instagram, uh TikTok. <laughs> Uh, Twitter, any of them, you know, we're on all of them because we're this is a
0: nice website. We can listen to your albums on the website by merge. Find out where you're on tour. Yep. i checked it out. It's good. It's a nice website.
2: Cool. Thank you. Yep. We've done that myself. So appreciate that. Me and my girlfriend. Yep. Looks really
0: good. Uh, everybody go check them out. I'm real excited to hear your new stuff that's coming and I'm going to throw it over to Brian. Thanks, Great. Jason. So
1: thank you so much to Drew DeFrance from the band of France. Um, out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Thank you for being with us. It means a lot to us. Um, The latest record is no longer a stranger in this town. Uh, Can you give us a name of the, do you have a title for the next upcoming record?
2: Yeah, it's called long live rock and roll.
1: Long live rock and roll. Look forward to that. And
2: that's going to be a single off of there too. Yeah. Release date. What's that? Is there a release date for the single? No, we haven't got yet. We got a video and everything done. We're just trying to, you know, make sure that uh, we get a label backing first before it's all said and done. But
0: when you're ready to rock, let us know. We'll make sure we post it on our socials as well. Cool, man. Definitely.
1: So, thank you so much, Drew, for joining us. It means a lot to us. Can you, uh, when we uh, get done rolling here, you, you mind to hanging out with us for a couple more minutes?
2: No, that's cool, man. All
1: right. Thank you so much, dude. For to Drew Drew to France from the band de France as i attempt to talk and uh, thank you so much for joining us
2: hey thank you jason thank you brian thanks to,
1: to uh, Drew to France for joining us and and being in this wonderful chat conversation with us um such a joy such a joy to find a guy and his band that i hadn't heard before and 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 have this wonderful discussion with him and it's always so pleasing to me, these guys like in in their early 30s and maybe even younger that, uh, of course younger, we have a lot of guys in their 20s too, but that have such an incredibly great taste in music. And I don't want to like bring about a bad stereotype, but there's a lot of, you know, younger folks that don't so much have a great taste in music. And and it's like, it's just so every weekend and everybody's talking about Zeppelin, they're talking about the Stones and they're you know talking about the Black Crows and they're those like, you know it's it's it, each conversation is its own individual thing. It's like all fingerprints look the same, but they're all kind of different and that's the way it is, but the influences are all there. I mean these these guys that are you know 20 years younger than me and beyond like are you know uh, grew up with the same music I grew up with. so they had cool parents or whatever they got somewhere where other people were listening to it and but I think it's a down south thing too. That's what I'm convinced of, too, that they're just, you know, even the younger people down there, they're just just, maybe they ignore FM
0: radio. Yeah, maybe. But I'm with you. It's kind of kind of breath of fresh air to hear all these these artists that we come across really like some of the bands that uh, set our foundation for what we like and also what we're doing to try to bring new light to new bands and get them out there and exposed for everybody to enjoy, because we are finding A lot of good stuff. And uh, DeFrance is really as another one to home run. So you did a good job. Drew was great. Super nice guy. Easy to talk to. A little bit of a tragic backstory. Um, You know, he brought up about his brother and his friends and kind of influencing him to kind of take take and focus on music and do stuff. But cool dude. Um, I really dug talking to him. And I'll tell you what. One thing I was surprised about in the conversation when I asked him about guitars, because he's, you know, he's a lead player. In southern rock genre, blues genre, he's a Fender guy over um, Gibson, and a lot of people usually ch- choose Gibson. So, I you know me, I always like talking guitar gear. So, I found that to be interesting. Kind of, kind of. What did you pick up?
1: Well, you know, as you're mentioning that, I wasn't, I wasn't quick enough to ask him because he, he's talking about he playing with Tyler Bryan, the Shakedown.
0: Yeah, they had to have had a con- Fender. He's a those guys player. had to have
1: had a conversation about that, right? <laughs> I you think know? so. Yeah, you would think so. Um, just such a giving guy, Drew. You know, I mean, he's like sharing, you know, some demos with us, and hey, guys, what do you think? And it's like, you care what we think? <laughs> like, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where we? No, I mean, I don't want to put us down. I'm being, I'm being uh, sarcastic, but yeah, that's like I'm floored by that. It's like, wow, we're, you know, we do mean something.
3: Just these
0: guys. What, what we do as, as we, we should, know, as we should. Well, we're given, again right. We're bringing light to some of these artists that don't have. You mentioned it earlier. Do it yourself promotion we're we're a avenue for people to, to go and get promotion and we're glad to do it so it's really nice when people appreciate that that we talk to and and do some you know share stuff like that with us i think it's cool
1: yeah it was very very cool but he's a good
0: dude man like he's got his head on square and straight he's got the support of his family we heard the story about his mom and his parents and all that kind of stuff and i think you know he's got a good head on his shoulders
1: yeah and uh, you know he's this you know this lack this last record really has like a Tom Petty kind of Steve Earl kind of vibe kind uh-huh. of sound
4: and the and horns he, lots yeah of horns. and the horns the and all that cool. great
1: music um then he's talking about like you know they want to get into like even like harder rock sound that they have played before
0: that's why of, I want to hear this <laughs> album so bad because it's guitar track. yeah it's like only one song has horns in it um so I got to figure out how to with yeah file extension i need to get to listen to it i gotta get it.
1: i was chatting with him just a little bit back and forth he's like that file didn't play It's like try this one
0: <laughs> didn't play either. we'll get it we'll get it but again i like that band it's another arkansas find you're starting to find you know he knew the dudes from um greasy tree yeah obviously i think cool. he's played with them uh they played open up for bon jovi in little rock arkansas before and then we spoke about the new jersey bands you know talking about cinderella and bon jovi came up so bon jovi weirdly worked its way in actually our interview with drew
3: (laughs) yeah
0: it's funny how these things happen
1: so cool so cool and we just we got a lot of like cool artists coming up to have on have on the show and we're gonna have a uh outside the ballpark episode coming up here though we're excited about it's kind of it's nice to get out there and Step outside the boundaries a bit and go check this out too. You know,
0: it's outside the boundaries, but it's related because it's related to another band, and that's how I found these guys. Um,
1: Guys,
0: (laughs) that's yeah. I'm from Ohio. You say guys, guys is is means anybody, right? Right. um, I don't want to give it away. Yeah. But it's a band out of Nashville too, and you know, and there there's a lot of connections. But I think that'll be that'll be fun and be interesting and. That band, who we're not going to mention yet, because we want to be surprised, is starting to get quite a bit of press, too. Yeah,
1: and totally dig their sound.
0: I do, I do, too. It's not Southern Rock and Blues, but it's related to one of the, our other artists. And I think it's, it's cool for us to bring attention to them.
1: Right. So thank you to all those artists and thank you, everybody, for listening, all our good friends. And as you know, Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next
3: time.
4: it up again, guess what's not through,
2: every time it comes around, you know just what to do, cause every now and then I feel like old news, I see it all fade away,
3: when you walk it's into the room, it hit me slow. yeah